It's Swedenborg Live. Today we're talking spiritual awakenings. How could you not want to hang out for that? My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host. And I have with me, we're talking about Swedenborg info on spiritual awakenings, the, the stuff behind the curtain, the framework that makes it all happen. And who better to go th through this with than a, a writer on our show, Swedenborg in Life, and a translator of Swedenborg's work. So a lot of wisdom here. Let's have our panelists introduce themselves. Hi, this is Karin Childs, community manager and writer at Off the Left Eye, and so looking forward to engaging with you and seeing what's on your mind today. Hello, I'm Cara Dom. I'm a Latin consultant for Off the Left Eye, and I work on the um, community response team, which I love. Glad to be here today. And we're also glad to have all of you here with us. And there's a lot of ways that you can participate. What we're trying to do here is have this be the hub of community interaction for the whole off the left eye community. So there's a, a number of ways that, that you can be involved with us. First, I got to talk about how you can make this programming possible and how you can send it out to the world. So otle.causevox.com. We are a not-for-profit. If you make a contribution there, it lets this message exist and persist and lets us put effort into it. So go there, please donate. Your donation goes twice as far today. We have a $10,000 matching gift that a generous anonymous couple gave. We're 45% of the way there. We wanna to get to 100% so we can maximize that gift. Your money goes twice as far. Also, today, as an incentive, watching live, if we raise $100 before the end of the hour, we will get a bonus 15 minutes of Q&A with the three of us, so that's going to be exciting. It was exciting to see the thermometer go up. Is it going to make it? Is it not? Um, also, though, introducing that even if you're not watching live, all new donors to Off the Left Eye, we are going to have a raffle and a drawing. So next month, I mean next week, the 28th, everybody who's a recent new donor to Off the Left Eye is going to get their name entered in to win some OTLE new logo swag, a new logo item. You can take this home and become the talk of the town. So please make a contribution uh, and you'll be entered in all those cool things. All right, so this show is all about all of you. Get your questions into the chat. That's all we're gonna talk about is what is on your mind. So, and as we're starting to build up some questions, we wanna focus on all of you again, because we had, we had a question we put out to all of you this week, which was, what is a spiritual insight you learned from going through a difficult phase? We're talking spiritual awakenings and those have to come with a little bit of struggle at times the, the spiritual temptations or trials as swedenborg describes them did that ever happen for you that, that something was difficult but you saw something come out of it karen the community has spoken what'd they say yeah i was um really touched reading through these because uh it's just amazing the insights people can get after going through hard times and what I'm going to read is just representative of excerpts from the responses because we couldn't fit them all in, but I'm going to go through um, a lot of them and I'm, I'm really impressed. So few hardships are not accompanied by an unexpected benefit or lesson. So true. It can be wonderful to actually actively look for those. Yeah. Hard to see at the time, but yeah. Yeah. But just look for it later. Any difficult phase I go through is on me and is not God punishing me. So important. So some people need to relearn that that's not God punishing you. It's struggle is just part of life. <laughs> Only love that flows through us from our connection to the spirit is really love. 
We are not alone in times of need. So true. Patience and trust. Yes. To embrace a bigger picture, deepening my relationship with God. Being able to receive love is fundamental to leaving, leading a relatively healthy life. That nothing is sent us we cannot overcome through faith. Love itself liberates. God is within. Maybe I wouldn't learn better about my Lord in comfort and ease. <laughs> I got to learn that nothing is permanent in this world. So the, the ups and the downs, you know, we keep cycling. And, and remember, whatever you're going through is not permanent. The art of the pause before reacting. <laughs> Focus on what you do want and not on what you don't want. I have learned over and over that God hears me when I need him most. Love yourself and others. You don't know what they're going through. Mm -hmm. Right. Life can be much better if you drop a bad habit. Mm -hmm. We don't control nearly as much as we think. <laughs> yep, important to learn. I learned that God is always present and is in control, gently leading each of us. Sometimes you have to remove yourself from family members to heal. Yeah, sometimes there's dysfunctional situations you have to distance from. God is in everything, embracing everything, including you. Faith does not mean believing a situation will work out, but knowing that it will, that, that trust, building that trust. That we don't realize that knowledge changes our core being. Hmm. Yeah, new perspectives. I need all my difficult experiences. The world is my school, the world beyond my home. The, the world beyond my home. Yeah, the afterlife. The world is my school, the world beyond is my home. Right. I just, and finally, I just know that kindness can save someone's life sometimes. So true. Thank you so yeah. much. Well, and look at the, those are very positive things if we're yeah. talking about struggle. And if, if one of the greatest tools that the sort of unveiling of the action and providence in the world can give us is a different way to see suffering, it seems like people are already making that transition. So thanks everybody for being willing to bear your soul a little bit there with that. And now we want to hear about how, what's, what you're thinking about today. Uh, what questions uh, are you asking? So let's go to the chat. This is from Angel Shining DJL, who asks, since there are so many varied experiences and near-death experiences, and from physics, do you think we see heaven through our own lenses and beliefs and main beliefs at the time we lived? Does who we are and what we think color our experience of the life after death? What do you think, Karin? You want to kick us off? Yes, people have noticed that near-death experiences have a lot of similarities, but they can also be very different. Like people can come back with different views of what happens after death or, or what uh, in spirituality is the way things work. And I relate that to this um, wonderful thing that Swedenborg teaches that God is more concerned with leading us gently along than just like hitting us with all the information all at once. And so Swedenborg described that when people first enter the afterlife, they first start out in situations and with points of view that are very familiar and comfortable to them. Because it just is a, a shock to completely <laughs> change what you're thinking. 
And so there, there is a way that things are, although there's tremendous variety in, in heaven. So it's not that even when you get to heaven, uh, that everything's the same everywhere. But especially at the beginning, um, there's this customized experience that allows you to um, just be uh, cared for in a way that's comfortable for you. And I think it was Curtis in your um, in the episode, uh, "Why Doesn't God Prove He Exists?" that you were pointing out that more than <laughs> that, God cares about. We know exactly exactly the full absolute truth about how things are is just that we learn how to love and and also that we freely choose how to um, engage with life and so especially in NDEs which aren't all the way crossing over it's just a glimpse it's going to be very affected by the way a person is already understanding life or already believing because the point is not to just like completely, <laughs> you know, shake you up, but it's just to give you a taste of something that would be the most helpful to you at the time for going forward. Yeah, there's so many cool points in there to unpack. What you think about the way that our own minds and beliefs color how we see this world. We generally think, oh, we all see the world the same. I remember listening to this story on NPR, I think it was years and years and years ago, about memory and how there was this family who the, the one brother was writing this book about events that happened in their childhood. And usually he would go with his oldest brother's recollection because he thought he's the oldest he would know. But there was times when he had such a clear memory of something that his brother had such a different memory of that he, he just couldn't use those for the story. So that's memory. The brain is filling in certainly beliefs influence, you know, that the whole thing where if, if somebody, if they swap a person, if you're talking to somebody and they put something in front and a new person pops up, but you don't realize it, you don't even notice what we're expecting, color is it. So how much more so uh, in the life after death? Cara, I want to go to you for your thoughts. But first, we're on the board. Thank you so much to John. He made it through otle.causevox.com. We are getting there. We're 10% of the way to our $100 goal for an extra 15 minutes. Thank you so much for your support. That means a ton to us. Appreciate it, John. Okay, Carl, yeah, what, do you, what do you think uh, about this whole question of uh, the personalized afterlife? Well, I appreciated Karin's points. Um, and NDEs are a temporary peek into the spiritual world because people come back, you know, to tell us about their NDEs. So uh, we're not hearing about the long-term situation. Um, so those points about a gradual adjustment so that we are, uh, we can stay in our skin or out of our skin, in our spiritual skin <laughs> right. while, we're while we're learning about it. But the, the idea that's coming to mind is the way Swedenborg describes heaven as this grand human being and that we're all, we all fit into some distinct part of that body and of course, the nostril is going to have a different view than the elbow and the fingernail and the knee. All the most glamorous parts, right? That's right. That's right. So um, I do think there's just a vast array of experience of what heaven is with the um, underpinning uh, universality of love to God, love to the neighbor, love of service, that kind of thing. 
There is a huge tolerance in the God Swedenborg describes for a incorrect or varying viewpoints. Right. You would think that, especially from the way that you know some religious institutions are and act, that you would think God is about ready to say, this is the truth, everybody bow and acknowledge it. But the, the afterlife Swedenborg describes is absolutely packed with accommodation and people being allowed to live in all kinds of misconceptions if that's what they want. I mean, one, one that sticks out sort of hilariously is Swedenborg, when he's having these experiences, is often having to convince spirits in the afterlife that there is an afterlife. Because there are, there are people who had treasured this idea uh, they didn't they fundamentally didn't like the love that that God stands for, and so from that don't like the idea of a life after death and of God. So they're allowed to like sort of forget when they made the transition and live in in that sort of illusion. So to flip it on the positive side, no matter what the early phase of the spiritual world seems to be, oh nobody sees it as it really is. I mean we're, we're just we're all in our illusions. It's only as you move deeper into heaven that you're actually starting to get your your eyes open and seeing reality, but like all of hell, as Swedenborg describes it, is God saying, okay, you can see the world just about as you want to see it, and I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm just going to keep you from doing harm. So it is amazing because it drives me a little crazy. I'm just like, people have to know what's true, but that's not uh, that's not what God's up to. Um, so that's a great question. Thanks so much, Angel Shining, and I want to thank Angel Shining for making a donation. We just got our second donation. Uh, so we're get we're we're zooming towards our hundred dollar goal. Thank you so much for feeling like what we're doing is is worth supporting. And we are going to move to our next question. This is from Peg B, who asks: Do people go through more than one spiritual awakening, or once we're awake, we're awake? Mm. As the character in Warcraft, I'm awake. I'm awake. Yeah. So what what do you think, Kara? Um. Immediately, I get the image of the seven days of creation and let there be light. Like that is a distinct change of state when there's uh, light. And yet it keeps going for seven days. And that's the way I think of it. Like there may be some uh, initial um, sort of quantum leap in your mind or something. But I think of it as a spiritual development that just continues on and on and on and on. And it just goes on into eternity. That's my my take on it. I love it. I love that, that time. It's so true. Like you think, OK, sa save the light for the finale. But no, <laughs> it, it's just it's just a precursor. Oh, that's so great. Karen, what are you thinking? Yeah, I really agree with that. And I think spiritual awakening, meaning that that positive awakening, um, you can think of that as that kind of commitment to the light, you know, that's let me, that let there be light. Like I want to go towards goodness, not towards selfish harm to others. And so really there, there's that spiritual awakening, which is that um, beginning of being able to discern, like look from a higher place onto your lower <laughs> feelings and thoughts and start sorting but like Kara says that's the beginning of a long process of then continuing to wake up more and more to how to how to get deeper and deeper into that kind of love and that kind of understanding which is the light so it is just the beginning of uh, a process that 
Swedenborg indicates, does go on to eternity. We can look forward to the excitement and interestingness of continuing to awaken more and more and more. Yeah, it seems like the answer is always both when you ask something like this, uh, because I just got done filming an episode of News from Heaven that'll debut next week called Angels Have Good Days and Bad Days. And this is about the cycle that, that is taught to us by the day-night cycle. Why is it that God has so arranged things that, that we're we're in a situation where it gets light and then dark and then light and then dark, always, forever? Uh, that is actually a physical picture of the spiritual cycles we continue to go through, that it gets lighter, you know, we get more and more in wisdom and then we're out of, out of wisdom. And, and even angels are going through this. So that's the yes, but then the no is, you know, I think of that, um, I think it's a, a quote, quote somewhere in Swedenborg, once uh, or once once somebody's in the Lord's hand, they can never be pulled out. So it's it's not like you're going to go to heaven and then fall out of heaven and go to hell. Or, you know, like this, this is, there is a permanence to the, like that, that seventh day when you rest, it's never going to be as bad as it is now. Um, you know, so, so it's sort of, it's sort of both. Um, it's a great, great question. And I want to say a thank you. Um, Jean made a donation. Thank you so much. I hope that's, uh, if, if I ruin the pronunciation of anyone's name, please forgive me. Um, but we're, we're racing towards our $100 goal. So if you want to be the one that puts us over the top, otle.cosvox.com. Remember, your gift goes twice as far to supporting this programming. Okay, the next question is from Adam Armstrong who asks, what would be God's purpose for a long-term struggle with dealing with the suicide of a child? So it's, if, you, if you're saying, yeah, you know, I can see how, like, for example, I, I just had um, this huge, like, sort of health issue with, like, I had acid reflux. It was all crazy. And I can now see all these things that came out of it. But that's, that's nothing compared to what we go through in this life. So what do you say to something uh, like that. Karen, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I assume um, Adam's asking that from either personal experience or experience of someone he knows. So my heart goes out to you because that is just a terrible, horrible thing to deal with. And there would never be, I think it's really important, this thing that Swedenborg discerns between God's will and God's permission like when he, when Adam is asking what would be God's purpose for this kind of pain, uh, God did not will that. God does not have a purpose for having people lose people. Like that's just a result of um, just how things on this earthly level have gotten very uh, spiritually polluted. So we're all dealing with all sorts of uh, negativity and it can be a very hard struggle and um, sometimes that ends with a person ending their own life because they are unable to find a way out of that uh, inner struggle. But there was never a purpose like God was never causing that to happen. So instead, it's not um, that God doesn't have a purpose for that kind of struggle, but God uh, brings good out of whatever we go through. So if this terrible thing happened, which was not God's will, and the person who is left on earth grieving that, um, God will 
we'll take care of you. It's a, it's very painful. I've been through different kinds of grief, not that kind of grief, but I do know people who have been through that kind of grief. And I, I see that grief takes a long time. It's a long time to heal from, cause that's a huge wound. But out of that, I can say for myself and the people that I know that God does bring good out of that eventually in, um, greater compassion, greater, um, realization of what matters, um, greater love for others or appreciation for those who are still on earth. And remember that person that crossed into the afterlife tragically is being taken care of too, and is healing and learning and there will be a reunion. And so this small separation, which seems so long in this earth, it in the end will be very short and the people will be back together. So there will be, um, you know, love wins in the end. And um, this, this pain will be very temporary, temporary and um, all tears are wiped away once um, there is that reunion in the afterlife. Yeah. I want to, I want to linger on that point. I'm so glad you opened with it. And it may be one that's hard to, drive home in a totally intellectually satisfying way. But the, Swedenborg is adamant about this distinction that God never does something bad. That God doesn't press a button and say, I'm going to have something terrible happen. God brings good out of hard things that were unpreventable, um, which may seem like it's just semantics, but I think it matters a lot to me anyway, to just realize, okay, it's not like all the hard stuff we go through, it's not like God saying, well, I'm going to, I'm doing this to you and then I'll bring this out of it. It's, it's that, yeah, evil hell does everything bad and God deftly maneuvers so that in the end it actually, everything actually is better. So the only way you could ever find some kind of meaning in a situation like is being, being described here is that when we think about step back and think about the eternal state that we were talking about, like the, the state uh, where we're in the afterlife, right? And there's, uh, we've developed as we've developed and that state that goes on and on and on without end, that, that that state for the person who took their life, for the people that love them, somehow the eternal state of everyone will be better despite this. You know, that it will, there will be more happiness somehow that will pay off over and over and over, that somehow God will take this uh, situation that nobody would have, wanted to have happen and bring bring things out of it that, that will somehow bring people closer and we're not going to know exactly what that is but but the lord is the master of knowing how to knowing the human heart and knowing how to mend things and heal things and and uh and bring it together yeah Karen, do you want to finish up and then we'll hear from cara i just wanted to add that terrible things that happen on this level are symptoms and and so you know, there, there are a lot of suicides and that is a symptom of something deeper that needs healing and fixing. And so I have also heard many a story about people who have had a loved one die of suicide who end up being part of movements that are trying to address the, the issue of suicide and suicide prevention and so become part of the cure. And so over time, those who have been through that experience, God can use to help eventually cure that and have that not happen on earth anymore. 
Yeah, absolutely. Cara, do you want to weigh in? I'm just noticing that the question um, puts an image of my, in my mind of God sort of standing back and watching the person struggle, which is not how I, um, <clears throat> which is not how it works, I don't think. My, right. <laughs> my image is that he has, that God, that God has his arm around the person who died of suicide, the parents, everybody involved, and is just helping them walk step by step on each of their own individual journey. As difficult as it is, he's taking you to a good place in the end. Um, and it's not some kind of objective, uh, you know, sort of scientific observation of, of what might be being learned by anybody. It's a, it's a with you in the struggle kind of situation. You yes. know, that, that's a great point too. I, I cannot imagine that it would be true that God doesn't suffer more and more acutely in every hard situation. I, I couldn't imagine, like you think about, yeah. when, we, when we think about um, like a general in a war, we, we think they're brave when they go into battle with their troops, right, rather than sit back. Or if we think about some kind of leader taking on the risks they're asking people below, it can it got to extrapolate. It could only be that if God is going to allow something, it's got to be that that God is taking the worst of that blow. Um, and 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 we can you can think of God as just this sort of ephemeral omnipresence that doesn't. But God feels. God, we only feel as an as a proxy of God's feeling. So God is feeling. I mean, that, the Jesus Christ lesson is like. God will step in and and feel the worst of the worst. So I I do think it matters to say, whatever anyone's going through, what you know, God is is feeling that harder than they are, and, and all the despair and the slogging. You know, God obviously isn't doesn't always knows what to do, but uh, but it's got to be that that there's that uh, alongside it. So what yes. a what a uh, I just appreciate um, uh, Adam, you being able to open up that that question and that discussion, and again our hearts out to, to you or whoever you're thinking of, if it's a particular example or just all the people who have had that happen. Uh, so let's, let's move on to our next question. Before we get there, I got to say thanks to John. John is back. John who donated before donated again. Thank <laughs> you. And we we're at a hundred. Like we made it. It's not even halfway done the show and we're, we're there. So we're going an extra 15 minutes, which is great because I'm really enjoying this so far. Um, and that doesn't mean, though, that, you're, that you supporting us stops mattering. Now, go to otle.causebox.com. Your donation still goes twice as far. If you're a new donor, you still get entered into the raffle. Uh, you, your donation makes this kind of programming, this kind of sharing we're doing here possible. So go ahead and log on. Let's see if we can't run that up even farther. All right, next question. Nana Rosebud, who asks, does the earth actually have to go through a spiritual awakening at the same time as the human race surely it needs to along with the animals so is it just people who have to clean up their act or are we talking about gaia herself or is that do people call the earth gaia sometimes uh, does what what's um what's the full to-do list here on spiritual awakenings karen yeah what, what do you think we've talked about this in a couple of shows but swedenborg presents this fascinating concept that human beings were created to be this conduit between 
God in heaven and physical nature. And that when we get our act together as a human race, we will actually free up much more energy, divine energy coming into nature and animals and everything in creation. I remember a particular paragraph that really just struck me, like just giving me this idea, like it'll just like zing, you know, like there will be so much more energy flowing into everything in creation um, when we can um, get back in alignment with the role we were created to be, this, this conduit between. And so that's kind of in contrast with the idea that maybe human beings are messing, you know, are the problem. And if we would just get rid of us, well, we are the problem, but we can also be the solution. <laughs> Let me just make it clear. Yes, we, we are, are the problem. We definitely are. We are the ones that make the free will choices and we chose a direction that has really blocked things up. But we, you know, there's a promise and a prophecy that we're going to get back into alignment. And that's the holy city symbol of, of uh, the future golden age where things come back into this happy state for everyone and everything. And so it's for me, it's a great incentive to do my little part to just try to clean up my own little personal act to bring a little bit more heaven energy through to whatever um, extent I can in these few years on earth, because collectively, like the more and more people that do that, you just imagine it as these little pipelines that are bringing more and more in. It's There'll be a critical mass of which will grow and it will really, I think it just goes along with like, Physical actions, you know, we're, we're talking a lot these days about we're really needing to change habits about how we use natural resources and get energy and everything. We have to just do a lot of changing about uh, habits that are polluting our environment. So doing that, as well as the spiritual work, I think is going to do amazing things for planet Earth and all of nature, as well as for human beings uh, experience on Earth. Doesn't sound so bad. It's it's nice to think of in in the struggle to not destroy our planet and ability to have life live on it. It's nice to think that there could be some spiritual support to that struggle to augment you know the better practices that you're talking about. And I think it's worth saying, what is the earth? What are animals? Everything physical is a correspondence to something spiritual. We are as well, but there's a sort of a different dynamic there. But everything that you see that's physical is a reflection of something spiritual. So what is, what, what's the soul of the earth? It's something in the spiritual, whether it's the people in the spiritual world, some aspect of God, right? What are, the souls of all the animals, I mean, they, those are connected directly to the affections and cognitions that flow out of God in through angels. So, so you think about spiritual awakenings happening all the way back up the chain, I don't know if that really means like I I don't know if like a panda can think about its its evils and regenerate, but but it it's all part of this system that God is continually reforming and and upgrading and everything like that. So, Cara, does this spur any thoughts for you? I was thinking about the correspondences too, and um, it it just seems to me that because of that correspondence. Nature's in pretty good shape. It's the human beings and how we treat nature that needs an upgrade. Um, but yes, that um, 
what do they say? What does Swedenborg say that um, existence is continual creation or something like that? So, yeah. so everything in nature is, it, like Curtis said, is, is, a, is a constant stream coming out of divine love and wisdom. Um, so it's already a dynamic thing. Um, and we can just do a lot to improve how we interact with it. Absolutely. Okay, that's a, that's a fun conversation to have. Thank you so much, Nana Rosebud, for that. Hey, we're at our halfway point. Everybody, take a big breath in. Uh, well, that's what I would say if we were actually at the halfway point. We're at the halfway point of the non-bonus section. I don't know how to calculate with the bonus. Fifteen minutes is thirty-seven and a half minutes. I can't do that. <laughs> we made it. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. And thank you for your donations and support. Hey, you can still support us. It can still go twice as far, otle.cosvox.com. Get in there and help uh, this kind of programming go out to the world. Uh, so what we want to do now is take another question. You, you guys ready? Okay. Yeah. Erica Rouse asks, and this is a cool one. Do you think spiritual awakenings cause a chain reaction in others around the one having it? Yeah, uh, yeah Cara. Um. I just came recently came across a little quote in Swedenborg and I can't no way. I quote it exactly. Uh, it's I wrote it down. It's on a scrap of paper in that room <coughs> that says something. It says I keep losing the box. Wait, no, go get it. It. Oh, well, it says something like we can't. Um, develop spiritually unless we're in the company of people who are doing so which i have noticed in my own self like if i'm hanging around people that are awake and working it really makes a difference in my ability to do so but i had never come across that in swedenborg and i was pretty stunned by it no you're stunning me right now because you got <laughs> okay at some point we got to see that because isn't that the thesis for this show? Yeah. What are we what are we doing here at Swedenborg Live except hanging around, you know, the panelists, the audience, the moderators, everybody who are here working, trying to go grow spiritually, and we're allowing each other to do it. Okay. This is too cool. Karen, what a, what kind of thoughts <laughs> is this spurring you? Yeah, you're making me think, well, a couple of things. I, as a moderator who has been moderating live chats before on our channel, I definitely love the dynamic of the people in there all supporting each other and sharing thoughts to each other's questions. And there is absolutely a very cooperative element to um, supporting one another in trying to think in, in higher ways and, and, um, no ways to live that are more loving. So there is absolutely this way that God has set up life that we are uh, meant to be working in teamwork with others. And that is heaven is this amazing teamwork <laughs> machine that is just letting God flow through all these different people to each other and from each other. And um, that makes the blessings um, multiply incredibly. So that is the system. And so, yeah, we are, um, we are meant to support one another. And there are definitely people in the, on earth who don't have 
seem to have as good support systems of others, and that is a hard thing. But God makes sure that um, in the end, it's all evened out because there are angels present that were there with the person when they were a baby and are not going to leave that person and are going to um, help that person in various ways uh, during their life, even if they struggle a bit with earthly relationships. Um, but also just thinking of this concept in the Bible of where two or three are gathered together in my name, said Jesus, there am I in the midst of them. And this idea of, of when there is um, mul multiple people cooperating or just two people, <laughs> two or three gathered, uh, there is a power in that. And that can really boost one another, um, boost one another's perspective and spiritual growth. Because I was just reviewing our episode, The Lies Evil Spirits Tell Us. And in there, there was a quote about how evil spirits want to isolate us because, and I think that's yeah. because they know if we just get isolated and are only in our limited own perspective, we can get lost. But if you have just one other person who you can bounce your perspective off of and they can say, well, no, I don't think that's as bad as you think. And let me do that. That's, there's so much power in that. So I yeah. definitely think that we're all connected that way. Well, because when you're isolated, you don't really have a handle on how crazy the thoughts hell is putting into your mind are, how ridiculous they are. When you're by yourself, you start to worry about things and, and your fears seem pretty plausible. And But as soon as you can talk to someone who's just like, come on, that is not going to happen. It, it does break a bit of that spell. Um, so, Kara, uh, did you get did you get it? I did. I, found I got it. it. I gotta hear it. I gotta see it. Well, it's a little disappointing because I wrote down true Christianity six oh seven question mark. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure that's the source, but it, but I wrote down that a person can't become spiritual except in the company of other spiritual people. That's great. That's great. You're right on, Erica. Erica's That's good. Right on point. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking that. And let's say a gigantic thank you to Regina. Regina made a contribution. Thank you for supporting you. what we're doing. We have doubled our our total. For, we're now oh, twice wow. as much as we were trying to raise. So thanks so much, Regina. And that is where 200 with the matching gift. We've this today. We've all together raised $400 to support this kind of programming and reaching the next person with it. So thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Hey, let's do it. Let's do another question. We got to give the people what they want. We got to do another question. This is from Young at Heart, who asks, "What are the ways of making sure that your inner self wins out over your outer self during times of spiritual awakening or trial?" Man, it's a good question. On topic gets right to the heart of it yeah what do we what role do we play or how do we best approach these tricky periods of spiritual growth if because if you're down there in the pit you want to at least be able to feel like can i be maximizing the constructive action here so uh Cara, do you want to kick us off there sure um uh, when i think of my biggest trials so far they're all something that's going flying in the face of something i want mm. and um which is not to say that everything i want is that bad of an idea <laughs> <laughs> but um 
for me, just getting clear that there's a bigger world than my desires. Um, so running it through the filter of just just trying to look at that from some different angles. What is what feel? What do I feel so strongly about? Why do I need this to go my way so badly? Um, and try to compare that with love of the neighbor, considering what God might have in mind for other people involved. Uh, just somehow bringing my own, um, you know, self-interest into the light a little bit and trying to air it out. That's somehow. great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That great thing to remember. It does seem like I was just giving a presentation and, and quoting a few things from Swedenborg's Journal of Dreams, which was sort of his awakening process and or cataloging his awakening process. And this central theme of that is in a lot of ways, him struggling with his, as he calls it, excessive pride in his accomplishments. So it was really about the inner versus the outer self struggling there, even though there was a lot of things he was going through and attacks from evil spirits and all this, but it seemed like the real work that he thought was being done there was finding a way to not have his his ego sense of self be the, the center of the universe. So, Karin, what do you think? Um, how, how do we make sure that the inner self wins out over the outer self during times of spiritual awakening and trial? Which, by the way, is what Swedenborg says is accomplished by these things, is that the inner self gains control. Inner self being the good and true things that the Lord is putting in you gains control over the selfish and materialistic things that run us when we're sort of asleep. Yeah. I think one thing that's important to remember in the midst of trials and struggles is if you feel like for a while your outer self is winning don't worry <laughs> because that's how it can feel in in the middle of a struggle and that does not mean that your inner self isn't will isn't winning because the lord is the one doing the work and the only reason that's not going to happen is if we like consistently resist that you know that that higher ground and seem so, worse you're supposed to you're supposed to seem worse because you're yeah. able to get kicked up in those things so it actually seems like wow i've really got some issues but it's just because we can see them now yes yes and you could just be in a flood or a down down part of the spiral temporarily and you can feel like i'm a mess there's no hope you know <laughs> and and that actually can be it's a rock bottom situation that can actually be a very powerful turning point of of giving things over because what I was going to say what I'm going to say is I think a key phrase is thy will be done and for me about the inner um, winning over the outer because like Kara was saying we even even when it's a very good thing we're wishing like as a mom like one of my kids is going through something hard and I wish they weren't going through that um even if, or, or something you care about is, is threatened or being um, confronted or something, even if it's a good wish, the thing is that God is taking care of that on a bigger level. So if I can, um, so I can wish it was fixed right now or in a certain way, but if I can just give it over and sometimes I do, uh, I do a practice of gratitude in the midst of when I'm, something's happening that I'm totally not <laughs> feeling grateful for, but I just purposely say, thank you, 
Lord, that you are working on this or that, you know, something to, to trigger my higher trust that I'm maybe not feeling right then, but to remind myself that God cares more about good things than I do. God cares more about my children than I do or about anything good that I want to happen and has a better idea of how it will all work out for the best. And so for me, a, a real good tool is the thy will be done phrase and to um, give it over to trust, even when I'm not feeling that trust, um, that the Lord is in charge and the Lord will bring everything to a good end. <laughs> You're right that that can be picked up no matter what, because you can kind of think, well, yeah, if, if the thing I want is good, then I should be upset about this, but there is even there work to do. And a sort of a companion point to that, it's a little bit of a technicality that Swedenborg says that you over you overcome in temptations if afterwards you attribute the success to the Lord. That you have to, once you get through and things are better than they were, or you have learned something, like think of all those answers people were giving in the beginning of, of things that they've gained from these struggles. Part of how you make that serve you spiritually is to say, look, I now I have this, and it was the Lord who got me through that, and it's the Lord that's gi giving me this. That is actually a crucial spiritual um, spiritual practice that almost the core of spiritual development is to be giving credit to the Lord for good things. That's what actually leads us into, into heaven. So yeah, Karen, do you want to give a final thought? Yeah, just also the, the power of observation from a higher place, whether it's the next day or <laughs> during it or any ability to observe like, whoa, I, that really took me over. Um, your, your inner self is there, you know, even if you just really get taken over by negativity or doubt or anger or whatever for a day or two or however long. Um, if during that feeling, I mean, sometimes during the feeling, I can observe like, whoa, there it goes. You know, my, my lower self is really rising up or the next day, like, wow, that was not fun. And I'm glad, you know, any, any form of observation is an inner self at, at play. So that's also a good tool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Young at Heart, for that question. Moving on, Gail Lemieux asks, not a deep question, but what exactly is a spiritual body? Eat, sleep, etc." It is deep, Gail. Thank you for asking it. Well, the answer is deep, too. I mean, it, it, and it's actually really fundamental. Like, what what is the spiritual dimension to us? And it's really a question about, is the spiritual world tangible and real like this world? Because... The, we just think about how realistic the, the world is because of the fact we have to go through processes and you know you've got to, your body's a machine and you've got to feed it and you've got to prepare it in the ways it needs to be prepared to, to function. Is there anything analogous to that in the, uh, in the spirit? Yeah. Karen, what do you think? Yeah, in our episode, Your Spiritual Body, we talked about that we, on any level of existence, because we evolve upward into higher levels of existence after death and, and then continuing after death. Uh, we need a body to operate through because that's just how things work. Uh, a body is a tool to, ex to 
bring into action what you care about and what you're thinking. And so in the spiritual world, there are there is a spiritual body. And in that episode, we, we went into, there seem to be layers of spiritual body that, you know, you kind of can actually shed lower la- levels from lower levels in the afterlife and have a body as you move up that is adapted to a different climate as you evolve upward, uh, a different spiritual climate. And the body is very substantial. Now, this is just so hard, like, to wrap our heads around from an earthly point of view, because we think about matter as the most real and like spirit and which is thought and feeling sort of ethereal and not, but Swedenborg said from experience and I've read near death experience and out of body experiences too, that can confirm that spiritual body has substance. It's more real than our, our physical bodies, uh, spiritual bodies, have substance they do things they they have parts of the body um they have all the senses um but much more exquisite and they work better (laughs) and everything the bodies work better and i get the impression that as she uh, asked about eating and sleeping i definitely um read about spirits sleeping and dreaming um and eating and it seems like i i think i've just picked up that I think the the need to eat changes as you move up like it seems like on a lower level there's sort of this need to take in sustenance through your mouth in a way that's um, maybe more analogous to to earth but as you move upward it's uh, it's different it's the food is really thoughts and feelings and I think as people move upward in the levels in heaven. It's not this, it's, it's more a, a correspondence. There are times of having a, something to eat together, you know, more as a, a communing thing than a need to keep your, your body alive thing because your body is being kept alive by God's love and wisdom in a different way. So there are a few thoughts. It's certainly something that's hard to get a handle on because it's hard to describe these things in earthly terms but there's a few thoughts awesome yeah i love i love it um and it is this interesting mix again of both of like yes there's analogous things to eating but there's also this kind of transcending that and everything cara um do you have any thoughts on the uh what's what's the spiritual body all about you know um i'm not having any inspiration on this one i think karen said good stuff but (laughs) but hey and thanks for being upfront about it because we could just, we can just go on and on if we want, but no, we want to give the people uh, their high quality stuff. Great question. And yeah, the, the spiritual body is something Swedenborg talks about quite a lot. And I'm sure that just as we know so much more about the body, the physical body now than we did 50 years ago, hundred years ago, back in Swedenborg's day, they knew next to nothing. I don't even think they knew about cells back then. You think about how much more amazing we know it is now. The spiritual body, if it's like everything else, the spiritual side of things is even more complex and even more amazing. So you you are walking around in something pretty awesome under the hood there. All right, so let's go to the next question. Gabrielle asks, what are demons and why does God let them live or exist? There are certainly a lot of mentions of evil spirits and demons and Satan's. What's What's going on and what's the, the plan there? Yeah, Cara. 
one of the things that um, makes Swedenborg perhaps different than other uh, sort of worldviews is that he says that the entire spiritual world, heaven, hell, is just made up of plain old human beings that were once on earth and have died here and gone on um, to live in a place that resonates with their deepest loves, their core being. So a demon would be a person who needs to not be around the God thing and the love thing. For whatever reason, they can't tolerate it. So they make a choice to be in a place that is not near the God thing and the love thing, which is what heaven is. So there are people, and the reason why God lets them live or exist is because the most important thing to God is our spiritual freedom. Swedenborg says that the spiritual freedom of human beings is the apple of God's eye. That's like, you know how you protective you are of your eyes if something's coming at you. Yeah. That's how God is about our spiritual freedom. It's the most important thing to him. So he doesn't want to just create us and say, I made you and you love me and I love you and it's all cool. He says, I made you and you're free to opt in to this love thing or not. And, <laughs> and right. so it's just people opting out for whatever reason, like just like, I, I can't handle the love thing. I've got to go be somewhere else. And that person gets the label demon, but it's a person who has just made a different choice than um, mutual love and service to other people. That's, that's a great a great synopsis of the whole thing. And what, and what I think is a really satisfying answer, it would be strange if there were beings of evil created evil, but it's really just everybody gets to love what they want to love. And people who love something that, that the rest of us could agree on is evil, they don't see it as evil. There's a lot of times when, when demons or Satans, which are technical distinctions Swedenborg makes, whether term based on whether or not it's your faulty thinking that leads you astray or your corrupt kind of desires. But a lot of times these evil spirits are saying to Swedenborg, oh, come on, like heaven is, is no good. Like this, we've got the life that's really cool here and they love their life, but it's, it's just a life that is really damaging and distressing to everyone they come in, into contact with. And really is well, while God is making it as happy as he can for them, it's nothing like what we, our destiny is, which is the, the heaven experience so it's just cool and i really appreciate you bringing up all those points cara Karen, do you have something to add yeah right it i i agree with what the two of you are saying and that it it wouldn't make any sense to me that god created these evil beings to bother us and everything it is just the result of human choices and if it seems strange to think that people would reject love um think about I, I like to think of it in terms of addiction, like the, the thrill of addiction overtook. So you can become addicted to revenge, for instance, that just has a thrill to it or bullying or, or just uh, getting the goods from everybody and, you know, getting stuff all for yourself. So these are um, kind of thrills that if a person chooses over a long period of time, not just 
once in a while or when they were a kid or, or a teenager or something, but makes a whole life out of it. So speaking of spiritual bodies, that's actually building a kind of spiritual body because we are, our spiritual bodies are built out of what we care about and what we think about or obsess about in, in the terms of negativity. So uh, a demon or an evil spirit is, or Satan or whatever, uh, there's different terms for different kinds of negativity, is someone who just built a life out of negativity, negative thrills that were self-centered and materialistic and you know, greedy. And so that, yeah, they just can't stand the idea or the feeling of share with everybody else because it's like, no, I love having stuff for myself or, you know, I love being in charge of everything. I don't like um, serving others. So um, that is, yeah, just people who made that choice and God allows them to live their choice. It's a very limited, they're not allowed to actually play out their desire to harm you know, innocent people anymore. Um, so they're very limited and they have to deal with uh, the consequences of living with people who are similar to them, which is not pleasant. Think crime gang and people betraying each other and things. Um, so yeah, it's just people. And, and uh, that is, that is the result of our, our free will. And God is always trying to work with people to bring them in gradually into something better according to their, um, willingness. So even with evil spirits, the Lord is trying to just move them a little bit away from their worst impulses towards something better. Um, God is, um, loves everybody and, and never abandons anybody is always <laughs> trying, trying to work with whatever they're willing to be worked with. That's great. And I'm just thinking of, I mean, the, the nature of the answer to the problem of evil that we're just starting to get into here and the, the way that you kind of can wrap your arms around all the spectrum of the human race, it's just cool stuff. I, I just feel like this whole first hour has been a lot of fun. You guys have been given great material. The questions have been great. Um, in honor of that, I made a little donation as well through a Cosvox, otle.cosvox.com to support this programming and the community that y'all have going here. So if you, any of you feel moved, otle.cosvox.com. Your gift goes twice as far right now. And thanks to all your gifts that all of you have given, we're entering, I mean in two minutes, but let's just make the announcement now. We're entering the bonus round, 15 sublime extra minutes. And these will be, we guarantee, the best answers we've given <laughs> all night. So this is from Pox North, who asks, are we living through God or God through us or both? And what do all those options mean? Let's get a little philosophical. Let's go out of Swedenborg's true Christianity mode, out of secrets of heaven mode, more into a divine love and wisdom mode. What, what is it? Are we living through God? I guess we have to define what we think that means. Um, but Swedenborg surely must say something about these potential ideas. Uh, what do you think, Karin? Yeah, I guess I'll start right. We run into semantics and everything, but I'll just, what it brings to mind for me is Swedenborg saying that God is life itself. So in one sense, the only living being <laughs> is God, the creator. And we are all living because of God's presence in us. And we would not have any life at all if there wasn't this core at our deepest self is, is the presence of God, because that is the life force. And then the um, option. So the question says, and what do all these options mean? Um, 
So then we have the options and choices of what to do with that life force because we can choose, well, in general, sort of the, the heavenly path or the hellish path, we can choose to kind of bury that life force, meaning the, the love and the wisdom that are that life force and kind of bury it under a lot of negativity, or we can, we can work with God to uncover it and expand it. And the more that we are willing to do that, the more um, powerfully present um, God can be coming through us because anything good that is done by any person is actually God, the Lord doing that action. Goodness, God is the only real doer. Um, we can twist things into negative doing, but uh, the, the doing force in its, in its purity, in the way it flows in is goodness. And so I guess I would say um, God is living through us or we, we can choose to be these very unique, one of a kind expressions of God's love and wisdom, God's life by uh, what we, what we do with it. Very cool. Yeah. And you could sort of, it's certainly as you describe that we are but vessels having no life of our own, I think is a classic translation of Swedenborg that that God is what animates us and allows us to have consciousness and sensation. So you could say that that's God living through us as a vessel, but um, we are living through God as in we're having our experience where our experience is brought to us by this matrix of being aliveness, which is God. So I sort of feel like I could turn that either way, uh, but but we get the concept. Carl, what do you think? That's a, that's a tough one. Um, <clears throat> I did today in my when i was uh answering people's comments on our shows i got the image of god being just like this huge um precious gemstone uh just you know filling the, the universe and that each of us is just a facet on that so that we're all a unique reflection of god's light and love um so but that image also with this question, it just makes us pretty one with God because without the gem, we, there wouldn't be facets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's but hard, yeah, you it's could... hard to separate. I I can't I can't tease those two questions apart. So that's that's cool though because it it probably is getting at the actual complex nature of it that that you can't without a gem. There's no such thing as a facet of a gem. But you can talk about a facet of the gem as its own thing. And it's kind of like us. We don't really have independent existence, but we sure do have something, you know, enough that we can be who we are and, and talk enough that the universe was all created so that we could connect to God. There's certainly, it's not cut and dried sort of either way there. Um, so just cool stuff that we could think about on and on forever. But instead, let's move on. Thanks so much, Pax North, for that and thank you to stephanie stephanie made a donation to support our taking these ideas and reaching out into the world with them we're to our total is 250 raised today which with the match we've 500 going into and while i was thinking about what is off the left eye programming that you would support it it's really trying to do the spirituality thing at the highest level we possibly can like let's use technology let's get a good like thought matrix together like 
the way that I just see like things like a Facebook or Google operating where you just put all this effort into perfecting stuff. Let's continue to build towards like per perfecting how we can try to deliver these messages that are just so helpful to people's psyche and everything. So thanks so much for everyone who supported otle.causevox.com. Next question, Gullibles Travails asks, how many trillions of souls praying does it take to end the sadness and suffering? A lot of suffering, right? Especially these days, global pandemic, right? So, Carl, what, what does it take? Uh, what's the numerical threshold there? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it seems beyond mathematics to me, but um, my thought is that it takes more than praying. I think the question is how many trillions of souls changing their lives does it take totally. in the sadness and suffering? And if we were all, if we all made it a priority to look to the welfare, to care about the welfare of others and to do something about it and to, uh, not just be content to sit with whether we're comfortable or not. I think it's that kind of doing that would be needed to actually end the sadness and suffering. And if you think about that on a global scale, I mean, it does sometimes blow my mind to, to just think of every single human being. What if every single human being had an experience that inspired them to change the way that made the terrorists not want to be terrorists anymore or something to just pull an example out of the air, but sure. you know, it, it involves a change of heart and that is hard work. So um, I pray for ending sadness and suffering and it's hard to imagine it happening very soon. <laughs> right. No, that, that's a great point. The, because if you think about the impact of changing lives, weren't we just talking earlier in this show about how, all the spiritual work we do affects the people around us and that the more and more people are putting in that difficult life change, the easier it becomes for the rest of the people to do that. And just on a physical level, so much of the suffering could be prevented physically if people weren't greedy and if people, everybody was diligently doing their duty to try to make systems run properly there's even there let alone you know all the the mental and spiritual help we can lend each other so that's a breathtaking image thinking about of every person that you walk by or drive by you know that they have the good of the human race like in their heart that's exciting man that's a cool thing and yeah right take some time but but let's get there karen what do you think yeah i totally agree i mean prayer is powerful because it gets your mind pointed in the right direction, but action is crucial. And if we can just realize that anytime you just resist an impulse to snap at somebody or walk by with <laughs> without caring or, or just push yourself to do something that's actually going to make a positive difference in someone else's lives, any little efforts on our part is adding to the collective global thing. And so it's there was a book in my childhood that was called what what would happen if everybody did <laughs> Kara's nodding that remembers that but yeah like Curtis is saying imagine if everybody did in somebody I've heard it said like if in one day everyone spent that one day just 
trying to be kind to everyone and not being mean to anybody. <laughs> the, the world could be transformed in, in one day. So any little efforts we make, um, pray for the strength and guidance to do that, but then do something. And that's how we will change the world. I am reminded of a quote that very early on at when my work at the Swedenborg Foundation, before Off the Left, I was even a project of the Swedenborg Foundation. Like I've made it before. And the first project that we did was called Heaven and Hell Facebook page. And I remember early on making these picture quotes on that. And, and one of them, one of the early ones, there was a quote I remember putting on a picture of this like Alpine sort of forest. It says, when we live the life of charity, we are continually at prayer. If not with our mouths, then with our hearts. Yeah. So that kind of prayer, which Swedenborg says is the essence of the prayer, living the life of charity, it wouldn't take trillions of souls. It would t- if it was one billion on this road, that's plenty. A billion people really working for that. Maybe it's less. Maybe it's 400 million. I don't know. Maybe it's 3 million. You know, people really living for that. I don't know what the ratio is right now of how many of us are really living the life of love and charity, but it's probably, you don't have to get 100%, I would think, to really see amazing change. So, hey, let's do another one before we're, we're done here. This is called Perfect Love, No Fear. And they ask, how can we see angels when we're lonely? Because if you think about the suffering in the world, man, would it be nice to get some comfort? Swedenborg has this awesome concept that there are angels with us perpetually. But can we make that connection consciously? Like, how can we get that to translate into feeling like, you know, we got someone there with us? Karen, what do you think? I think that it can help to try to it's hard but try to let go of needing to see them in a physical sense um and look more for i I know in my life i i've never seen an angel but when i pay attention to a little feeling of comfort that comes or a little good idea or a little yeah a little impulse to say something kind to somebody I have made it a, a practice to consciously recognize that there's an angel. There's the Lord working through an angel to me. And I find that when I learn different ways to look for angels, you know, I'm just using the word look in a figurative sense, then I notice them. And I, I think it can be just in general when it, it can I feel like evil spirits, hell is always trying to make us only notice the negative and and maybe miss the positive that's going on around us. So it takes effort. And to look for earth angels, like to look for, if you're getting uh, discouraged by the news, look for the news of the people that are, did something kind for somebody else. You know, look for the earth angels or notice uh when you're at a store and someone just is kind to you as you're checking out or something and uh those that's a way for looking for angels because that is uh people act kindly because of the presence of angels and then also in my own mind sometimes i'm in a a negative state but i just try to you know swirling swirling negative thoughts and i just try to get really present like try to notice what's just happening right now even physically and then i'll get a little calm feeling 
or a little smile comes to my face or something. I feel like that was just letting an angel through. <laughs> and so I think it can take effort, um, but that's because evil spirits are very pushy and want to control us and everything. And angels are right there, but they uh, respect us. So we need to um, make the effort to notice them or to connect with them. So there's some thoughts. Great thoughts and cool tools to use when you're in that, just that wasteland that, that loneliness is. Cara, what, what comes to your mind? Uh, I've got two ideas coming to me. One is that Swedenborg says that the Lord predestined all of us for heaven. So he created us to be potential angels. And then there's that, that spiritual freedom clause in there. But um, Karin called them earth angels. But if you look around you and know that every other human being was created to be in heaven, right. created to be an angel, if they, if they so choose, um, that can be powerful to try to see the angels around you. The second thought was that there's a story about Swedenborg himself back in the day um, that uh, there was a little girl in his neighborhood and he, he asked the little girl, the little girl knocked on his door and said, I want to see an angel. How can I see an angel? So we said, oh, we'll come in here. I'll show you an angel. And he took her to a little, uh, a little room and there was a curtain and he pulled the curtain aside and it was a mirror and the little girl saw herself. Um, and that was what Swedenborg wanted to show, that she was a potential angel. And so it's the same for you, perfect love, no fear. Um, there's a potential angel in you. And if you can open up to that and see where that takes you. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. And one last thought that I have is about the interface between angels and our aims that the influence of the spiritual world is not always something we can perceive clearly, but Swedenborg does say there's distinctions between how other influences work on us and how angels work on us. Angels are constantly trying to bend us toward having good purposes, like our, our overall, what we're trying to do in life, it being more and more something that's beneficial spiritually to us and to others. So it's almost like that's a spot you can try to peek around it and say, am I, am I feeling pulled towards a something constructive or a something loving or something greater than myself and know that that doesn't just occur. It's not dead matter that those are angels with you in that. It's kind of an expansion on what Karen was saying of look at the, the good things that are popping up in you that what, where's the, what are the good things you want to do? Even if it's tough to do them knowing that there's some companionship in there. Um, and uh, we're hoping that you're not, that you're feeling a little bit of community here as, as we were all saying, um, you know, we're all angels in training. And so the more that we can actually all the good stuff that comes through each one of us is from angels. So that if there's a bunch of people together trying to be good, there's exponentially more angels in there, you know, being the source of all that good stuff. So it's just cool to think about there is so much uh, light and love out there. It doesn't always feel like it, but doesn't mean it's not there, right? There's plenty that in the physical world that is there, even though we can't feel or see it. So it's, it's there as well. That brings us to the end of our program for the day. Can you believe it? It's already here. Thank you so much, everybody who's watching uh, live. And if you're watching after the fact, great to have you tuning in. Um, I want to extend a huge thank you to everybody who 
donated in support of us today. We had six donors. One of those was brand new. Welcome to the community of donors. Raised $250, which will then be 500 with the matching. Even if you're watching after the fact, go ahead and donate. It still matches. And everybody who donated new donors will be part of this uh, raffle coming up next week. So that's going to be great. Kara and Karin, it's been a joy to get to hear uh, the angels around you giving you good things to say today. So thanks so much for being part of the show. Uh, thank, thank you too. And thank you audience. You're all angels <laughs> in our, in our wider community. It's wonderful to your, your questions are fabulous and great to interact with you. Yep. Yep. Uh, I've definitely, uh, this definitely has changed my spiritual state just to be here with you talking about this stuff. So thanks very much. It sure does. I always get a lift after stuff like this. We hope that yeah. that experience is uh, there with everybody. Thanks so much, everyone, for watching. Hey, the off to left eye thing doesn't stop. We're we're serious about this. Coming up Sunday, there'll be a brand new episode of Inside Off to Left Eye. Be sure to check that out. And then uh, next Monday, we continue our series on spiritual awakenings. Uh, so just tune in all the time and keep yourself in that that good spiritual community. Have a good couple of days, everyone.